I'm Maida Getman, and welcome to Infertility Crossroads. I'm a mom to donor-conceived twins, and I went through eight rounds of fertility treatment before finally becoming pregnant with my two girls. I'm also a donor conception coach and founder of The Donor Download, a self-paced online program for people who are at the crossroads of donor conception and wondering which path is right for them. Perhaps you're like me, You thought having a baby would be easy, yet here you are every day, week, and month having to make big, scary, and radical decisions about what your future might look like. I call it the infertility crossroads. Whether you're just getting started on your fertility journey, have been trying for years, or are headed down an alternative path, you are welcome here. Join me each week where I will walk alongside you through all the infertility crossroads. Let's dive in. Welcome everyone to Infertility Crossroads. I am excited to share a really special episode with you today as I'm joined by my friend, Lindsay Blood. Lindsay is someone who I, I honestly met on Instagram, which is super cool. And when you think about our stories and our perspectives around donor conception, we actually have pretty, we're, we're standing on two different sides of the line, if you will. But And Lindsay's someone who, I'll be honest at first, when I met her or found her on Instagram, kind of intimidated me. But as I've gotten to know her and her story, she has become someone who I really value and really am thrilled to have on the show today. Lindsay's a late discovery donor-conceived person and has some really great perspectives around donor conception. And Lindsay's one of those people who shares her opinions and experiences in a way that helps you really understand her story, her perspective. And like I said, I have learned a lot from her about how to be a better parent to my donor-conceived children. So Lindsay, I am thrilled that you're here and we're finally recording some of our conversations because we've been having many of them. So thanks for being here. Yeah. Thank you so much for having me. And I I do just want to say also thank you for being open to some of the comments that I might leave on your page or sometimes when I send you a DM, I'm I like to leave voice messages because then you know I'm a human being, right? Because sometimes okay. it's just, it's hard to get tone from a message on, on a comment on Instagram. But thank you for being open because I know Okay, I don't know. I'm not a parent of a of, of a donor conceived kiddo, but I I can empathize that it might be hard to read some of the realities of donor conception. And you have always been someone that's been sort of a champion for the donor conceived community, which means you're a champion for your kiddos. Hmm. Um, and I'm here talking on Instagram. There's a there's a bunch of donor conceived adults that are talking on Instagram, and we're not doing it for us. We're already raised. Yeah. We're already grown up. We're doing it for this next generation, so that they don't have to go through some of the things that we went through or are currently going through, right? We would love to create a community where there aren't donor conceived people leaving comments on people's pages that disarm them, right? Um, So yeah, so thank you for being open and thank you for having me on here and allowing me to share my story and use my voice also. It it means a lot. Yeah, I mean, I... You know, I wish that we had recorded other conversations because I've had these light bulb moments for myself. And as people are listening and are considering donor conception or have started down the path of donor conception, I truly believe. And I, if you follow me on Instagram, if you listen to my podcast, if you are my client, like 100%, I 
I'm always saying we have to listen to the voices of donor conceived people, especially those where mistakes were made. And we yeah. didn't necessarily know that at the time, but yeah. here's the thing. We know it now. Yes. And so and that's, we have to listen. That is something that I say a lot too, is my parents didn't know any better. So I was born in 1981 and in the late 70s, early 80s, donor conception was really starting to boom there. It was like right at the cusp. And there's a lot of us that were born in the early 80s <laughs> and we're this sort of first generation of donor conceived people that have voices. Donor conceived people for decades never had a voice. So now we're starting to see the things that have come out of being donor conceived. And I think my parents didn't, they just didn't know any better because there was no donor conceived person to say like, ooh, it actually is really hard to have an anonymous biological parent or an anonymous biological grandparent or family or how many siblings. And we can get into all of that in a little bit mm -hmm. here, but I actually kind of feel, I feel sad for my mom. I feel sad for my siblings' moms. I feel sad for the moms of the late seventies and early eighties because I mean, let's face it, a lot of moms, and I'm not going to say all, but a lot of them were still very much doing what men told them to do, right? We were still sort of living in that world for women where you just did what your husband said and you just did what the doctors told you. I'd be hard pressed to find a woman. There's a horse. <laughs> I'd be hard pressed to find a woman that is going to like do now do what their husband tells them to do. <laughs> but it was a thing, right? So much so that one of the major sperm banks were having the and I've seen the contract where the mom has to sign saying that they're the ones, they're the reason for the, for needing a donor, like, mm. and their husbands had to sign permission for them to use a donor. Mm. That's not a thing anymore. Thank God. But that yeah. was something that some of the moms of the seventies and eighties. So I feel sad for them. I feel sad that they had to sort of like lie for a long time to their friends and family. And now as we're all adults now, we're saying like, this is our story. We're owning it. We're going to be allowed about it. Our moms are like, Ooh, but I need to tell everyone too. So it's like a coming out for them as well. So I feel I have sympathy and I'm not angry at my mom or my dad, or maybe I didn't know since birth. If I was a kiddo growing up now and then became an adult and found out, I don't know how I would forgive my parents because mm -hmm. there is so much out there now. There's so much research. You can even look into adoptee research. I mean, we're adoptees and DCP are not the same, but very parallel and the feelings are a lot the same. There's a, just a ton of research that shows that telling from birth and maybe not having an anonymous bio person is the best for a human being. Yeah, totally. A hundred percent, a hundred percent. So thank you for kind of jumping into your story a little bit and kind of, you know, sharing that, but can you dive in a little bit more to your story? Like, you know, you were you're, you're DCP, but share more about that so that yeah. everyone kind of knows that story. Sure. So I'll just go really quick. When I was 12, my parents got divorced. And so my mom got remarried and my, in like a heated argument, my stepfather, when I was 13 said, I said something like, you're not my real dad. Cause that's what you say to your step parent, right? Yes. And especially like, when well, you're 13, <laughs> when you're 13, especially. And yeah. he made a comment, well, your dad's not even your real dad. And I'm like, what? And so my mom was like, don't tell her. And I'm so very chaotic sort mm -hmm. of teenage years. Um, I called my dad. He's like, that's not true. They're lying to you. So I spent my teen years knowing one of my parents were lying to me and both, and it was odd. My mom told me I'm donor conceived. My dad's like, that's, that, that's not true. But of course, like now there's like this seed of doubt. So I would sort of like look at my dad and think we look nothing alike. Mm -hmm. I don't look like anybody in your family. 
Yeah. So, and then I would start looking, like looking at other people thinking, are you my dad? <laughs> like that, that book, are you my mom? Are yes, you my mom? totally. I just um, thought about that. that like book, say, are you my, my dad, 1 million percent was my dad there. He will forever and always, he passed away nine years ago, but almost 10, but he is my dad. <laughs> there, mm-hmm. nothing could ever replace him. But I kind of knew when at 13 that he wasn't my biological father. So fast forward, I get married. I have kiddos. I'm like 31, 32. And I'm pregnant with my first kiddo, um, my first daughter. And my dad, I was seven months pregnant. My dad and I went for a walk. Um, My dad had been diagnosed with cancer a year before that. So we knew he wasn't doing so great. Mm -hmm. And I said, you know, this is this little baby. This is her ancestry now too, you know, and nothing will replace you, but one of you is lying. And now it's, it's bigger than me now. Now this is my daughter's truth as well. And then he admitted he wasn't my biological father, but he still said he didn't know anything about a donor. So I had a lot of confusion, but I, for so long, just wanted to believe my dad that I was my dad's because he was such a great man. I want to be his, you know? Uh Um, So I think I let myself sort of go in and out of believing it. I waited seven years before I took a DNA test. It was the pandemic when we were all like, what is our identity? Who are we? Mm -hmm. I took, and I looked at my husband and I go, I got to know. I just have to know now. We had another little girl since that. So I took a DNA test. I, it came back in May of 2020 and it came back with six half siblings on the first mm. DNA test. Um, so I called my mom and I said, Hey, I'm donor conceived. She's like, uh-huh. I've been trying to tell you that for like 20 years. now. <laughs> um, so at 39, it was confirmed that I am donor conceived. I called, I messaged everyone on there and I ended up talking to one of my sisters and she, she's like, there's more on another DNA site. She said, we don't know who the donor is, but three days later, I started connecting with other siblings. And one of my other sisters was the way that she was dealing with it. Cause she's a late discovery. She found out on like Thanksgiving dinner, um, like grandma told her on Thanksgiving dinner a year oh before gosh. that she was researching. That was the way for her to deal with it. So she was doing our family tree. We were able to track down our bio father three days after I found out okay. um, I found my siblings and we can talk about that too. But yeah, so knew that I, something was off, didn't want to believe that I was, I'm a weird person and that I like, my mom was like, your donor conceived. I'm like, no, I'm not. <laughs> no, I'm not. <laughs> so I'm a weird late discovery because I kind of knew, but I just didn't want to know, which is I think also telling about a donor conceived teenager, right? I hear from so many parents are like, well, my, my kiddo doesn't care. They don't care. They don't want to know. And I'm like, are they a teenager? (laughs) Because most teenagers don't want to go there. They're still, they're figuring out who they are. They don't want to hear about all of that. Right. Um, And even in my twenties, I thought it was cool. I would tell people I was a test tube baby, which I'm not, um, but I didn't know the words for it. I just thought it was a cool thing that made me unique. And yeah, life changed a lot when I had kids. Life does change a lot when you have yeah, kids. Your whole perspective changes. Your whole perspective changes. Well, and this yeah. is their ancestry too. This is like my, so I know that my mom's donor, he's not my donor because he didn't donate yep. sperm to me, right? I know that he identifies as a man, so I can say he's my biological father. So um, they, he's also my kiddo's biological grandfather and my yeah. daughter looks like him and my, I love my husband. He's incredibly smart, but neither one of us were gifted and talented. And my kiddos are like ridiculously smart. And I'm like, we know where that comes from now. And it's yeah. cool to say that, you know? Yes. Um, It's neat to say that. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's, I think when people are considering using a donor or are going down that path, 
especially people like me who are recipient parents and like we're using, you know, donor because we've been trying so hard to conceive and it hasn't been working and we just so desperately want to be parents that we also get very focused on like, I just want to get pregnant. I just want to have a baby. And Mm. I get that and understand it at the core level because that's who I was. That's, Mm -hmm. that was me. And I think, you know, we've talked about this before where we used an anonymous donor and that was seven years ago now. You didn't know any better. I didn't know any better. (laughs) I didn't have the information and I had a lot of fear. I had a lot of fear, but that we, when we're so focused and concentrated on our goal of having a baby, we our brains just can't open up to like, yeah, what is this going to mean down the road? And mm-hmm. I think it's just so important to have these conversations for people who are considering donor, considering using donor to connect with other recipient parents and other people who have been there to have that support to say like, I know today you can't even imagine what it would be like to be pregnant, but you need to think about these other things because- mm-hmm. They're going, they're it using a donor is a lifelong decision, not just for you. It's yes. a lifelong decision for your children, your grandchildren, your great grandchildren, because you're changing, changing, or I, I kind of like to say adding ancestry yeah. and people into yeah. your larger family unit. And understanding that I think is really important. And so that's why having these conversations is so important, especially listening to them when you're just considering donor, mm. or maybe you've decided you're using donor, but you haven't gotten pregnant yet because it's a lot to take in. It's a lot to process. And you and I both know once you have a baby, I mean, it's you're crazy. so busy. You can't even think so about busy. anything else anymore. Yeah, you're so busy. You can't think of anything else. <laughs> and then anymore. they go to elementary school. You're even busier. You're waiting. Exactly. Wait, I, I was supposed to slow down. <laughs> exactly. And so I just, I know what's, what's interesting. um, There's two things that, so one, the closest that I can get to the feeling of recipient parents, like wanting that baby. So I've, I've had a miscarriage and Mm -hmm. I, right after the miscarriage, I was like, oh my God, I got, I need to get pregnant again. It was all consuming. It's all I thought about. I just needed to fill that hole that just gutted me. Right. Yeah. And I, and when I hear recipient parents talk, I, I'm like, oh, I I recognize that. I see that. I feel mm-hmm. that. And I, and I know what that feels like. I will also say that that need for wanting a baby, wanting a biological connection, being sad over a biological biological connection, donor can see people feel, and I won't say all, I just want a really quick caveat. I am one donor can see person. I don't speak for all donor yep. can see people. I feel confident in saying the majority of donor can see people feel this way, but, but there's a lot that don't. So just to put that out there, but that feeling that that like yearning for a baby, that that pull to what is the same feeling that donor can see people feel for their biological person or their family. I can't mm-hmm. like, so my biological, I'll just quick tell about that yeah. part. Yeah. So my siblings and I, there were 12 of us at the time, we sent um, a letter uh, to our biological father um, and my bio father and I are in the same industry and we know a lot of the same people. And I think that may have made him a little nervous. So he actually mm-hmm. responded to me 
and said that he's not the man I'm looking for. He hope and he understands what me and my colleagues are going through, which is a fun way to call his bio kids. <laughs> yeah, your sibling group as colleagues. Wow. Yeah, interesting. Um, but it's not the man we're looking for. And then like a year later, we had another, some more siblings pop up. We're at 23 siblings right now. We have, there's 23 of us. But a year later, one of my sisters is a lawyer and she wrote a very lawyer, beautiful, beautiful lawyer letter to our bio father. And we had more evidence that proved that he's ours. We did genetic genealogy to figure out who he is, but his we follow his career path too. There's a 15 year age gap and different states that he was donating in. Interesting. So anyway, he responded with a, like a five page letter about he can neither confirm nor deny like that was a big thing. He admitted that he had been a donor at one point, but he said he didn't remember the donor ID, which we know is not true. And he also um, gave us a little bit of medical information, like a sliver of medical information mm-hmm. and said, hope that helps. Um, and then that was pretty much it. And basically like, leave me alone. <laughs> so our bio father is not somebody that's in our life. But I would be lying if I said I don't think about him a lot, especially in so it's been I'm three years out from finding out who he is. So it's one thing like finding out your donor conceived. There's another layer like if you were told from birth, great, but wait till you find out who your bio person is. Wow. That um, yeah. I spent a week looking at myself in the mirror because I was like, oh, that's where that nose comes from that I've aided my whole life because it doesn't mm-hmm. look like anybody's nose in my family but it looks like my siblings <laughs> and, oh, I can see myself. I can see my kiddo in my bio father. Um, yeah. So the identity destruction that happens when you find out who that person is, is a whole nother layer. Right. So that yearning, I have that yearning. I want to know where I come from. I want mm-hmm. to know what was my biological grandmother. Like she died three years before I found my bio father. She had no idea I existed. That hurts. It mm-hmm. like breaks my heart a little bit. I did go on a little bit of like a, a finding your roots donor conceived version. <laughs> um, I went, um, I, we were driving down to Florida. My bio father lives in a state on the way down to Florida. And we actually, st- I didn't see him, but I, but I know that his parents are buried in this city. And I went and I went to their graves and I put down flowers because I just felt like I needed to just mm-hmm. like, and I said all of my siblings names, which probably sounds crazy and weird, but it felt very healing to me to say like, I'm, yeah. I'm, thank you. Thank you, this woman, because I wouldn't exist without you. And that's a powerful thing, you know? Anyway, yeah. It's really, really powerful. But that same yearning is is a lifetime of yearning. So when when you're saying, you could just tell recipient parents, like, hang on a second, take a breath. And I see you post that a lot. And I love that because I've talked to recipient parents and the doctors are like, we need to do this right now, right now, right now. And and you're in that, I need a baby. And you're not thinking... So you're going to get the fix by getting the baby, but your baby will have a lifetime of what you're feeling right now. Right. Yes. And and yes. And I'm not saying this is like every day. I don't think about him every day. It's not like an everyday heavy thing, but it's definitely there in mm-hmm. the background. Right. He's he's in the background. Yeah. You know, it's really interesting. I um, so one of the things I love about you and having gotten to know you is that despite like are very different stories. We also share a lot of similarities. And Mm -hmm. I love that because it just reminds me and it hopefully it reminds people like we're all just people. Yeah. And we're all just humans. Yeah. And we all have ways that we can connect to each other. Yeah. And you know, the more you and I talk, like I think, you know, you have two girls, I have two girls. (laughs) Like 
your dad passed away when you were, you know, younger. My dad passed away when I was younger. Like the, I think the place you go to in Florida is the place I grew up going to in Florida. Like, you (laughs) know, just some of these things that are really similar, but it was really interesting because, so my dad passed away seven, seven or eight years ago. And we don't spend a lot of time with my dad's side of the family yeah, for complicated reasons, but we have over the last, I would say 10 or 15 years reconnected with some of his cousins. Mm -hmm. And just recently I went to a funeral for someone on his side of the family and we were at this funeral and I was with his cousins and his cousins look exactly like him and they talk like him. And like one of his cousins is like, a spitting image of my grandfather who's been gone for a long time. And as we were driving back from the funeral, I was like, I thought to myself, oh my gosh, like that felt so good to be around people who looked and talked like my dad. And it was the first time, honestly, Lindsay, that I had that kind of like visceral reaction of like, and realization because of the learning and the the stuff that I've been doing around helping my kids and all that, but like realizing like how lucky am I that I got to do that? Yeah. And it made me think I need to keep trying to figure out how to get my kids connected to their donor because as the parent who used an anonymous donor, that's on me. Yeah, I yeah. truly believe yes. that that's on me. That's on me from a energy perspective. That's on me from a financial perspective. And that's one of the things I've learned from you. And so one thing I would love for you to sh- talk about is just what is it like? Like once you find out that your donor conceived, like, can you share with, with us all the things that kind of go into finding these people or trying to track these people down or connecting with your siblings? Cause it's a lot. It's a lot. Yeah. And yeah. So especially, I mean, I think your daughters won't have as many siblings as I have. No, Um, they won't. Usually egg donors don't have hundreds of siblings. So we know that my bio father um, was quote donating. He was donating very loosely. Um, But for 15 years, we know for sure. So it's very highly likely that we have hundreds of siblings. We just haven't Mm. found them yet. We know right now my daughters. So out of the 23 siblings, we have 39 kids. So my daughters have 39 first cousins that we know of. Right. So that's a whole big thing, but I will say I hit the, Oh my gosh, jackpot with my siblings. They are the most incredible human beings. I can't say enough amazing things about them. I I love to brag about them because they're just so cool. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> they're just, they're just the coolest that. people I've ever met. My husband, we we actually got to go on a, every year now my siblings and I, we do an annual sibling retreat. And our first one, my husband and my kids came and my husband was sitting back and he's like, it's like 23 Lindsay's. <laughs> <laughs> um, so there's 16. How, beauti- of- How beautiful is that though? I know. Oh my gosh. That so, like make, gives me chills. Well, and so out of the 23, there's 16 of us that talk um, a lot. I include the 23. I include, there's two siblings that um, our biological father raised. They're his kids. Um, They don't want to talk to us. One of them we haven't tried to reach out to, but his daughter wants nothing to do with us. Um, We've heard it through the grapevine and that's her journey. It makes us sad. 
Um, she was actually born two days um, before or after my sister, two months after me. So we're really mm-hmm. close in age. Our, her daughter and my daughter look exactly alike and they are really close in age too. So we would love to bring her on board, but she's just not there yet. And maybe one day she will be finding. So getting all of these siblings, I have a sister um, that I grew up with. We're, we're a lot of years apart, but she's still the sister that I share a mom with. I will say that she struggled with Mm -hmm. me all of a sudden having all of these. And I know some of my siblings, their siblings also struggled who are not from the same donor because it, I think for my sister, it felt like um, she was being replaced. She was very much like, like out of my kids. She's like, those are my nieces. Those are nobody else's nieces. And now my kids have like all these aunt and uncles. Right. But she's come around, but it took a lot of, a lot of conversations, but it actually brought me and my mom closer and me and my sister closer going through all of this. My sister and my mom have been, they went on the journey with me. They were on this journey to help me find my siblings. They have supported me in doing so. And I think for when I talk to recipient parents and they'll say the, the big catchphrase that I see all the time is my kids will let me know when they're ready, when they're ready to find their siblings. I'm not going to put that on them. And I'm like, well, do you wait to introduce them to your friends or, or your family? No, then why would you wait to introduce them to their biological family? And I know that the biological family is a threat. I think that's a big thing for recipient parents. If you're being really honest, it might feel like a threat to know that these people are biologically related and maybe you aren't. But I have yet to meet a donor conceived person, and I've met probably a thousand by now that have said, man, my bio family totally replaced my regular family. It just doesn't happen. I think. I'll, I can't speak for all of us, but I can speak for the majority on this one. We are fine. We're trying to find our identity, not a family. Yeah. I don't want to go to Thanksgiving dinner to my bio dad's house at all. I want to, I just want to know who he is and where I come from. I want medical information, like lifelong medical information. Mm-hmm. Um, we're finding out things about our kids that we know come from him. Um, my bio father is in the public eye, very much in the public eye. He's very um, prominent in his state. So I can watch videos of him and I can see his movements. And Mm. I know that there's some medical things that my daughter has gotten because of him, but he didn't admit ever. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, So yeah, anyway, I'm going off on a tangent, but the relationships that I'm making with my siblings are the silver lining to all of this. They, they are, um, I would give up knowing my bio father to know my siblings. They, they are, they're the jackpot in all of this. Um, but it's not easy. It's not easy to have this many siblings. It's not easy to create relationships. Um, it, it's hard. It's hard sometimes. I love them to death, but it, it's hard. And we dread, we dread the next sibling, but then we always, they come on board and then we love them to death and we're so excited. <laughs> but right. it's, if we. I get 23 me will say you have 51 new relatives. And I'm like, oh my God, please don't be another sibling because it's chaotic when we get a new sibling. It feels like chaos because half the time we're telling them they're donor conceived and that's hard. Um, And we're, and I sometimes feel like that should be my biological father's job and not mine, but here we are. Um, Yeah. 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 Um, But so what I will say to parents is go on the journey with your kid don't put that journey on your kid. Don't, don't say like when they get older, they can find their bio family because there's a ton of rejection that's also happened for me. Now, obviously from my bio father, which is, it's a hard pill to swallow to have the person that the reason I exist pretends I don't exist is yeah. tough. And I know people will say he didn't want to be a father, which I don't want him to be my father, but they'll say he didn't want this, but I didn't sign up for this. I did not sign up for this. 
And right. so I get to have feelings around who he is and my relationship to him. I've had rejection from his family. I've reached out to his brother um, and his his brother's daughters. And they like nobody were like this weird. Nobody. I, I was told that his brother said, we know about that situation and we don't want anything to do with it. So we're like mm-hmm. a situation. Um it feels like we were at like a science experiment almost. And um, that's a, that's hard. It's hard to have doors slammed in your face when we're like, well, we didn't choose this. He did over and over again. He chose this. Right. Um, so my mom says all the time, cause there was no internet when I was a kid. <laughs> I was yeah. born in the eighties. Right? Yeah, totally. so my Me mom too. Wasn't a thing. So my yeah. mom says all the time, like, man, if there were, I would have DNA tested you from birth if I could, if that was a thing. And I would have gone on this journey with you so that that she could share, that she could take the brunt of that rejection. And then, and then she could, I could come from her. I would much rather it come from my mom and my dad, like, Hey, this is who he is. He's just not going to be someone in your life. And I know that because I've been doing that for my kids. So yeah. my my daughters were five and six when this is all came out. And I was very real with them. I told them right away um, because this is their truth also. And my daughter, just the other day, she was like, um, so I've let them call him what they want. I won't say his first name, but they call him bio. And then his name, yep. his first name. Um, I call him by his first name when I'm talking to my friends and family. Um, and they, she said like, why doesn't bio name why doesn't he want to see us? But, and she calls my dad pop-up. She's like, pop-up's not alive and he can't see us. And he's never mm-hmm. got to meet us, but bio name is alive. Why doesn't he want to see us? And it's hard because she's, she was five. How do you explain yeah. it to a five-year-old? You know, that's hard. And, but I, I, as her mom can walk her through that instead of when she's 39 and she's got to walk through it by herself. That is, that's just as a mom, I want to, I want to go on this journey with her. And, and my mom says all the time, I would have loved to have done that for you. And she's doing it now, kind of, right? She's on this journey with me yep. now. Yep. Um, yeah. And she's very, she very much lets me, sometimes I get really angry and I'm like, I hate him. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, sometimes I'm like, oh, I just, I wish she would just call and just acknowledge me. And so we, she talks through all of that with me and I love, I love her for that. And I, and so when I see recipient parents say like, oh, my kid's fine. They don't want to know anything or blah, blah, blah. It breaks my heart a little bit. Cause I'm like, you don't know what you're going, what you're doing to that little soul of your kiddo, because you, most of the time donor can see people, we will, we'll spare our parents feelings. Like I didn't take a DNA test for seven years after my dad died. Cause I felt like mm-hmm. I was dishonoring him. I'm mm-hmm. telling you right now, if he was alive, he would have been like, you're ridiculous that I would have right. not been right. like, right. you wouldn't. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know, I, I see that a lot too. And I think at the root of those comments is the, the parents fear and oh, it's yeah. their shame and yeah. it's their, and, and they right, wrong or indifferent didn't process those feelings or deal with those feelings or deal with the grief and the loss and the pain and all the things yeah. that led them to ending up using a donor and and then what I see there is like that's that can then just be passing those feelings on it does because there is a loss and a grief that I feel I feel the same loss and grief so I didn't I never got to talk to my dad about this because he's Mm. gone now but I wish I could say to him I'm sure that he felt a loss and grief that I wasn't his biological daughter 
I feel the same that I'm not his biological daughter. If I could choose, I would have chose Norman Durand because he was kind and honest and he had integrity and he was just an incredible man. Yeah. I can't say the same things about my biological father. I would have chosen my dad in a heartbeat, right? Right. So there's grief. There's grief knowing that he doesn't live on in my kids. My bio father does. And that's hard. Like I, I look at my daughter and I don't see my dad. Yeah. Um, I see my bio father. Yeah. So the, I, I feel that grief too, but I do want to share one thing that I've sort of figured out. It was actually Jenna, Jenna Joffe. Do you, you follow her? Oh yeah. Yeah. She's, she's amazing. And I had a, this is why I like talking to recipient parents because I have light bulb moments and I learn about my mom and dad through your experience. And I think mm-hmm. that's important for donor conceived people to also talk to recipient parents because there's learning yes. on both sides. Yes. Um. So here's my light, my big light bulb moment. Okay. So here's something that has changed my perspective and it's because of talking to recipient parents. So my grandmother was this incredible powerhouse of a a German, just, she was typical grandma, but just amazing. And I admire her and love her. She came over from Germany in like 1930s when things were not going so great in Germany. And she turned her back on Germany. She did not agree with the things that were happening, moved to New York and Oh, she, I can't admire a woman more than Anne Marie Durand, my grandmother. And I believe that her blood ran through my veins and I had her DNA and I was Anne Marie Durand. But I, oh, and I, I fell on that a lot as a kid. And so when I got my DNA test, I found out that I'm 0% German. (laughs) I have no German blood and Anne Marie Durand does not exist. And I don't exist because of Anne Marie Durand. Like we hear a lot about like our ancestors you think back to all these women for years and years before, and if it wasn't for them, you wouldn't be here and and what they went through for you to be here. And I used to think like, God, my grandmother came on her boat with pregnant and with my aunt and what kind of, and without her husband, because my grandfather was drafted and she just did this by herself. And if she didn't go through those hardships, I wouldn't be here. And then I'm like, oh, it didn't actually matter because I would be here no matter what, because my biological side came over here in the 1600s, not the Mm. 1930s. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, So that was like a heartbreak for me to learn that like, I'm actually not Anne-Marie Durand's granddaughter and I don't have her blood running through my veins, but here's the thing that totally changed and has been so healing for me. So if my grandmother had not come over from Germany, I can't even imagine what that boat ride was like and come into Ellis Island and do the whole thing. If she had not done that, my dad wouldn't have been born in New York. And then my mom wouldn't have gone on a blind date with my dad and fell in love in like six months and got married, moved to Florida. And then they wouldn't have realized that my dad couldn't have kids and they would never have needed to use a donor and I would not be here. Right. So my dad had to have existed. My grandmother had to have existed for me to be here. And so when I'm thinking of my family tree on my ancestry, I have two trees. I have one with my dad. And then I have one with my biological, I have a biological tree and I have like my dad's tree. And I like to say that I have like my biological father and his family are the roots to my identity. They're the roots to what I look like, how I act, who I am. But my dad is the roots to my home, to my heart, love, to all, to my integrity, to all of those things. And if it wasn't for that powerhouse little German lady coming over here, I wouldn't be who I am. I wouldn't be me. You know, my, I know that epigenetics is a sore subject for donor conceived people. And I, and I, I had, I talked to a researcher that really helped me a lot too. I think a lot of times recipient parents will fall on epigenetics and, and want to use it to say, 
my kids are just like me because of epigenetics and the blood transferred, which is not real. And like, but epigenetics for me is I grew up around my dad. I, he had a massive influence on me. My grandmother had an influence on me. And so I can see some things in my kids now because of my dad, because of the epigenetics mm-hmm. that sort of happened. Right. Um, so he not only lives on. So when I say like, it's sad that I don't see my dad and my kids, I do kind of sometimes like there are moments where I'm like, you're the class clown because of your papa, because of my yeah. dad, because I grew up around it. I was it. And now he is right. Or I don't know if she is. So yeah, I, I think that it, if recipient parents can hold both sides, both branches of, of their yeah. kiddos tree and understand how important both are, my bio father is incredibly important. It, and that might hurt to hear, but he is so important, not to me as a parent or as a dad, he's not important to me when it comes to love, to trust, to integrity, to safety. He doesn't provide any of that for me, but he provides like who I am, um, my motivation, my determination. I am, I am, I am a success chaser. I didn't get that from my dad. My dad was like this really cool plumber and his name was Norm. He was like Norm from Cheers, literally. Yeah. <laughs> like that, my Love mom that and image. nurse, like they, both of them didn't need to be this big thing. I feel the need and I don't know, most of my siblings are, are incredibly successful and we know we get that from our bio father. So yeah, there's, there's beauty in both. And I think donor can see people, we can, we can separate the two in our minds. I can absolutely separate my biological father from my dad. My bio father doesn't hold a candle to my dad. Right. Right. I can separate it, but recipient parents it's like, there's just, they just can't separate it. And I just wish I could say, telling you right now, <laughs> it's separate. It's okay. There is no reason to feel threatened by your kiddos bio person or think that, that if they meet them, they might like them better than you. That's not a thing. You're their parent. My dad is my dad. No one can replace mm-hmm. him. He's been gone for almost 10 years and no one will ever replace him. <laughs> right. Um, right. Yeah. And I think my kids pick up on that too. I talk a lot about my dad to them um, and they know, they know a lot about him and they speak very fondly of him. They don't speak yeah. fondly of bio name. <laughs> bio name. Yeah. Yeah. I think the, the key, and I love how you put that of like, it can exist as a both and yes. that, and that nurture you, know, you and, and I have nature, right? Exactly. It's both. It's yeah. both. And, you know, you and I, have talked about this and I've learned a ton about this from you too. And I talk about it on my, you know, on my stuff and I talk about it with my clients too, but it's learning how to, it takes work as a recipient parent. And I think that's just the thing that's, I think, and I'm passionate about is missing from the treatment plan of using a donor, because like from a medical perspective, it's like, Hey, we can't get you pregnant this way. Let's try it this way. You know, let's use a donor. And from a medical perspective, that's the doctor's job. Like their job is to get you pregnant. But and to this, talk you into and, it. Yeah. Too. And to, and they're like, you want to be pregnant. You want to have a baby. You know, that's my job. That's what I'm going to do. And yeah. they have a lot going on. And just like with most things in life, like we can't expect one person to provide everything that someone needs. Right. So where like I really feel super passionate about is helping recipient parents do the work, the emotional work, the the yes. mental work to to say and become and build that confidence mm-hmm. of like, you know what? When you choose to use a donor, 
your child gets three people who helped yes. create them. Your child gets a unique story of three people. Mm-hmm. And when you are confident in who you are as, you know, the the non-biological parent, right? I'm the non-biological yeah. parent, but I'm confident in who I am, my relationship with my kids, how I interact with them, yeah. how much they love me and know them, then you start to see our donor or their biological parent mother. You don't know how she, you don't know her. So you don't know how she identifies. I don't know her. So I don't know how she identifies. I think people should use bio person unless they know how that person identifies. Awesome. Bio person, their bio person as another, as like a bonus. Yeah, It's a bonus. It's a gift. And You know, I've shared a little bit before, but my kids, we've been, we've told our kids from the very beginning that they're donor conceived. Like we've been telling them since they were six months old, mostly because I think for recipient parents, it takes practice. Yeah. And practicing when you're pregnant, practicing when they're babies and they can't pick up on the grief and the sadness that you're feeling when you're reading the books and you're talking about it. That's how you work through those feelings on your own. So that when they start to become three, four, five, six, and you're talking to them about it, you have a shift. And it's it's just a part of their life. It's normal. It's a part of their life. But also it's something that we are working really hard to communicate of like, you're you're unique in this way. Mm -hmm. And we're excited about that. Yeah. And so like sometimes just recently you know, my daughter, one of my daughters has started cracking her knuckles. Mm. I've never cracked my knuckles. My husband never <laughs> cracks his knuckles. And you like, you know, those people out there who just like literally yes. sit in class and just yes. crack their knuckles yes. and you're like, eh. <laughs> yeah. but I, I said to her the other day, I was like, you know, tell me about the knuckle cracking. She's like, yeah, I just feel like I need to do it. And I was like, it's so interesting because like neither daddy or I do that. I wonder if your donor does that. I love that you do that. And for this reason. So I said earlier, I grew up hating my nose, like hating my nose. I just wanted a nose job. I hated it. I hated it. If my mom had known who my bio father was or my siblings, I, she would have said like, I know where you get that from and, and look how cute your nose is. And I do it to my daughter now too, because she looks like my bio father. And I'll say like, look at your cute little nose. It's the most perfect little nose in the whole entire world. And I know where you get that from. You get that from bio name. Right. Yep. Um, and, and now it, it flips the script. It's nothing to be ashamed of. It's not something that we're being secret and quiet about. It's showing that you're proud of your kid for all that they are so that they're not growing up with this. Like, if you don't talk about it, And you don't bring up those moments like so there's a creative streak that runs through all of my siblings. We did not grow up in homes that were like super creative. Like I have a movie producer. I have I have um, actresses. I have a comic book writer, like photographer. We are very creative people. And a lot of us are super academic also. None of. And so we kind of grew up feeling like kind of weird in our family Mm -hmm. because we talked about it. Right. Mm -hmm. And so we didn't not to like a detriment point, but just wasn't like we didn't wave our creative freak flags. We didn't do it. Yep, right. Yep. Um, no one was encouraging any of us to go get a PhD, which I'm working on right now. Like that, that was never something that we grew up with. 
had we grown up with that, our lives would be very different right now. I, I wouldn't be 39 in my doctoral or 42 in my doctoral program. I would have gotten into my 20s because it would have been like encouraged to do it. So encouraging those things that make them different and you know, celebrating the differences instead of just, mm-hmm. we don't want to hide or we're going to use epigenetics to erase that part of them and say like, oh, you look just like me because of epigenetics. And when you do that, you erase part of your kid's DNA yeah. um, and you're showing, I don't want to, I'm ashamed of that part. I don't, I'm going to replace it. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, yep. So I love that you do that for your kids because it allows them to be proud of, of you know what? I crack my knuckles and I'm going to keep cracking them because it's yeah. just like my bio person or maybe my bio grand person or whatever. Yeah. Whatever. Know? Yep. Yeah. And yeah. I think like to, to clarify, you know, my kids are six and a half in our house right now. We have started introducing the term like bio mother, like, yeah. you know, bio person donor. So my kids are still kind of using those interchangeably, yeah. but I think it is very important to call out that the person who donated their eggs to my husband and I is our donor, but they're not my children's donor. And they're, and it's getting used to, you know, so we are currently using those words interchangeably, but Mm -hmm. we're, we are introducing the idea of bio mother, bio parent. And, you know, I've shared this story before, but the other day we were driving in the car and one of my daughters was like, did you know that I have two moms? And my initial reaction was like, you don't have two moms. Like, of course you don't have two moms. I'm your mom. You don't have two moms. Now I didn't say that out loud. Right. That's what went through my head. Yeah. But because of all the work that I've done and the processing and the grief, you know, and working through my feelings and learning from donor conceived people and really just trying to advocate I was able to pause and go, tell me more about that. Yeah, say more. She she said, well, I mean, I have the mom who gave me the egg, who gave you guys the egg, and then you're my real mom. And it was like, and so what I could do in that moment is really just affirm her being six and a half. And that's how she's processing this information right now and saying like, you're right. And then she said, do I have two dads? And I was like, no, you don't have two dads because the, you know, the sperm that created you came from daddy. Yeah. And, and then she was like, great. Can you turn on, you know, Minions YMCA? And it was just a very normal conversation. Also. So, um, I tell my kids, I have a daddy that raised me and loved me. And I have a biological father that made me, Mm. um, and I, you will never hear me call my biological father, father. I will yeah. never say my father. I will never say my dad. I have always put biological in front of it. I think part of me is because that's what he is, but also it's because I have a dad. I know that some, like my siblings, we joke around, some of them call him pops. Some like just, I don't, <laughs> but for my kiddos, I was normative terms matter. They mm-hmm. matter for donor conceived people too. Um, so here's what I learned from my kids when they were five and six. I said, okay, here's the deal. I have a biological father. You have a biological grandfather. You also have a grandpa who's my husband's dad. You also have a pop-pop who is my dad. Oh, and my stepmom got remarried. So you have a poppy also because my dad <laughs> died and my stepmom got remarried. So these kids have a poppy, a bio name, a grandpa and a pop-pop. And they somehow can figure that out, yep. which also, they have never met my dad. They've heard about him. They've heard stories about him. They've never met him, but they know him. 
mm-hmm. they know him as Pop-Pop. So we, when we talked about like, they were trying, I was trying to explain to them what this was. I wasn't quite ready to use um, sperm eggs. So I, and just really, cause I was still going through the muck of totally. finding out. But so I said, my, they call my mom, Nana. I said, pop-up and Nana wanted to have a baby and pop-up didn't have the ingredients to make that baby. So they went to a store called Zytex and they bought ingredients from bio name. And so now those ingredients make me who I am. Just like when you're making a cake, they're the same thing. And they made, and, and they help make you too. You have some of those ingredients too. And sometimes they'll say like, what are those ingredients? I'm like, when you learn about biology, we'll talk about it. <laughs> but I've used, they say to me sometimes, why do you say donor sometimes you say donor conceived your donor can see it and i said well you know it was nana they called it a donor and they go oh like goodwill like you donate things you don't want and i was like wow things are making me feel like i want to be not one <laughs> but so when parents so if you especially if you live in the united states if you're saying your donor your donor your donor here's how a dcp hears it i was donated which means i was unwanted do, we donate our toys. We like little, like mm-hmm. what we say to my kids all the time, we're going to donate your toys to people that need it. These are the toys that you don't want anymore. So we're donating something we don't want. So in society, donating is something you don't want anymore. It's not worthy of it, of it anymore. It belongs to somebody else. You don't need it. That is what a DCP hears, right? So how, so if my kids couldn't understand donor, but they could understand biological father yeah. or biological grandfather, there's that. Um, so using normative terms. I know that it feels uncomfortable for parents, but it makes sense to donor can see people because it's our identities. If you're using different words, like if you're saying your donor, he didn't donate sperm. I don't look in the mirror and see half my mom have sperm. And I, and my kids don't have a, a grand donor, right? <laughs> they have a grand, a, a biological grandfather. So there's that. And then for LGBTQIA folks, I've noticed a lot that a lot of like especially two mom families will say, well, obviously my kids know, like there's not a dad, they have a donor. No, they don't. Why mm-hmm. would a little, why would a four-year-old know that their donor conceived because there's no man there? They think that both moms made them yep. because they don't know, they don't have the terms to know, right? So I've heard like, I've heard DCP kids coming from two mom families that remember the talk when they were 12 because their mom sat them down and said, Oh, you're actually donor conceived. That's why you don't have a dad or you don't have. And they're like, wait, one of you is not my biological parent. And they go through that. Mm. Um, And so I think it's important to no matter how your family looks, if you're single mom, if you're two mom, if you're mom and dad, if you're dad and dad, if you're just dad, whatever, to have the conversation from the beginning, because kids don't know, you have to explain it to them. Right. And using normal terms, just like I would never call my best friend she's a girl. I would never call her wife, her special friend, because it makes me uncomfortable. doesn't make me uncomfortable, but if it made me uncomfortable, I wouldn't be constantly calling her wife, my, her special friend. Just like you shouldn't constantly call your kid their donor when it's their right. biological person. Right. Or if right. you know how they identify, um, or genetic, genetic parent or genetic, whatever. I just see a lot of times I'll type in a comment, my biological father. And they're like, he's not your father. I'm like, never said it. Never said father. Or they'll say, he's not your parent. Never said that. I said, biological parent. And there's, and anyway, my kids totally understand the massive amount of men that they have as like grand something. Yeah. They don't understand donor though. Yeah. And I mean, I think for, for me, 
two things are highlighted there. One, kids are a lot smarter than we always give them credit for. So much smarter. (laughs) And two, using the terminology, using the correct words, like we're the ones as adults, to your point, who make those things uncomfortable. That's our baggage. That's our issues. And so that's our job as an adult to get comfortable with those words. Yeah. And I think with like dibbling, I hear, I see dibbling a lot. And for a lot of donor kids, that's like nails on a chalkboard when I hear or see that oh, word. Yeah. For donor so, sibling. so yeah, if people don't know, dibbling is like a term some people use for their donor, like their siblings. And some DCP yeah. use that. That's okay. They can use that. But recipient parents should not be using that term because when recipient parents do it, it's a red flag for me because it shows they're not comfortable with the biological relationship their kids have with their siblings. Mm-hmm. So they they make it cutesy and they other it. But imagine if I called a non-bio parent a sparent, like a yeah. social parent. Yep. Same sting. Yeah. yeah. Just wanted to put that out there yep. when we're talking about normative terms. Yeah. yeah. Same. Yeah. Same and so like one of the things I really work on with people and, and we've done this. And honestly, last night I read a book to one of my girls, like, we read a book about unicorns and then we read the book, what makes a baby. And because those books are all intermixed with their regular books and that's just the way it works in our house. Yeah. But I, we joke or laugh, but I, I love it that my kids are the ones who are at school who are like, yeah, babies are made with an egg and a sperm and the egg comes from the woman and the sperm comes from the man and some bodies have eggs and some bodies have sperm and you need a uterus and blah, blah, blah. Like they are using those terms because that's how we talk about it here at our house. And I think it is the same with the terminology around you know, biological parent, biological person, biological father, mother, whatever. And I think, you know, we all also have baggage around those terms, the term mom, the term dad, the term sibling, like because of our own experiences. And I think it's just really, we don't have other words. Yes. Right. So we, we are create like you guys are, you, the donor conceived community are helping create kind of new meaning to terminology that feels good to you. And I think as recipient parents, that's a place where we really need to listen and use the language that feels inclusive and good to you guys. Just like every other marginalized community. Yes. Just like every other marginalized community. And if Um, I'm not comfortable with it, it's on me to get comfortable. Yeah. Um, And like sibling too. my sibling. So I, (laughs) So there's 23 siblings, right? And then I have 16 of us are close. The six, those 16, I will say, that's my sister. That's my brother. The ones I don't talk to, I say that's my sibling because I feel like sister brother is like earned a little bit. Like you oh, have to have a yep. relationship to use that terms. But um, I can't even explain what that connection is like. It it When the first time I talked to my sister, Steph, she was the first sibling I talked to. We sound exactly alike on the phone. Mm-hmm. We we connected instantly. And when we all saw each other for the first time, there's a video on my Instagram. It's pinned. It's the first one um, of the first time we all met and hugging each other. And it was like, oh, of course you're my, of course. Like, and we always say, God, I wish we had grown up together. I, mm-hmm. I wish that we had grown up together and our lives would have been different. And 
beautiful, even more beautiful because we would have had someone that understood what it's like to be donor conceived with that bio parent, which is, which we, I think we grow close because we have a very specific biological father. Um, and so we, we have gone through that together. But what's really special right now is we're watching our kids grow up together. Mm -hmm. So my kids are on this like Facebook messenger because we are all we're all over the country. We are spread out. We're we represent almost all the states. Right. (laughs) Um, But my my daughters are really close to some of their cousins and they and on weekends they talk on Facebook messenger and they play games together. And then we were down in Florida in January and, and four of the girl cousins got together and they played and. It's so beautiful to see. And, but it's like, we were at dinner and four of my sisters, we were sitting at dinner and we're watching our four girls. And we were like, this is what it should have been had we had the technology to find each other, you know, and, and how many more out there that we don't know that we let are ours that are, that are our siblings. Right. So, yeah. So I think. And what an amazing gift that you, I mean, you unfortunately missed out on that experience as a child yeah. but how amazing that you guys are fostering oh, those relationships it's... for your kids which in turn is just fostering your sibling relationships yes. now yeah and the relationships they have with their aunts and uncles too right yeah. like it's just um it that's really neat chills. it's neat to see too um my yeah. sister Steph and my my daughter Chloe they walk the same so it's really <laughs> I have like a video of them they were holding hands they were walking and I'm like is she my daughter or yours who's is she <laughs> um it, it's kind of funny and then my daughter and her son look a lot alike so that's fun too to see the similarities um yeah. So that's the, I mean, that's a silver lining and, and that's what I tell recipient parents to nurture. Um, it's not a threat. It's just more love for you. And then yeah. eventually down the line, more love for your grandkids, right? It's right. just more love. I do see a lot of recipient parents that will say they don't want to DNA test their kids because they, they, that's their kids right to do, or they don't want to, they want to respect their privacy, but then they post pictures of their kids on Instagram without their kids. We do lots of things without our kids' permission. We give them shots. We put them on Instagram. We do all the things without their permission, right? There are ways to go around. I just want to put this out there. You you don't have to use a real name. My kids are DNA tested and we use very different names just because they're minors. You can use initials. You don't have to, you don't have to email anyone, but the information can be there. So when your kids are like, I really want to know who my bio person is great here's the dna let's go on this journey together and find them and and i really think that's the most important thing is knowing that i'm going to say this with love not with meanness but you created this for your kid you created this reality for your kiddo so go on the journey with them don't leave them in the dark to do it on their own right go go find help find them and if there's rejection you are the soft place to land if there is rejection there because some of my siblings, their parents have passed away and they don't have that soft place to land. So when our bio father rejected us very harshly, they didn't have their parent there when they're, <laughs> and, and that's just because we were born in the eighties and we didn't have this technology, but I know that's, right. that hurt, you know, not to be able to talk to your mom. I'm so grateful that I have my mom to talk to about this. I wish I had my dad still around to talk yep. to, about it, you know? Yeah. 100%. I I 100% agree with you about that. And I I think in my community and in talking to recipient parents and people who are considering donor, we talk a lot about like if you can use a donor that you have access to, that you mm-hmm. know who that person is, 
yeah. that you can be in contact with them. Like that's the best yeah. because then you have that. And, and I use the term relationship because everyone gets to define what that relationship yeah. is. But even if it's, you know, I know how to contact them. I know their first I know name. who they are. I know who they are. So I know I where they yeah, live. I don't want a relationship like, with my bio father. I got it. Oh. I'd be very honest. If he called me right now and had some come to Jesus moment, it was like, oh my God, I want to be in your life. I'd be like, mm, mm. we can like have coffee maybe sometimes. And maybe I can like call you if I have a question, but like, we don't need to be BFFs. Right. Um, so I just, it's the identity. I want to know my identity. I want to know where I come from. And he is the source of that. I don't have access to that right now. Right. Correct. But I know who he is. And the big question mark over my life is solved. Right. Mm -hmm. I can look him up. I can see his picture. I can see the way he moves. And now for my kiddos too, that, that part, and we, and I can do research. I can do research on yep. the ancestry and my grandparents and stuff like that. So. Right. right. So it's, it's the information, it's the access. So like, if it's possible to use a known donor, like 100%, and yeah. I've done a podcast episode on this, I've written a blog post on it. Like we used anonymous. If I knew what I knew now, I would do it yeah. differently. Yeah. Like, and I would. But I think for a lot of people, I want to use un I want to use unknown, not anonymous, because it's not anonymous. You can just go DNA test and figure it out. An anonymity is no longer a thing when a it thing. comes no. to being a donor. The, the closest relative we had for us to find out by our father was a third cousin. Right. She was but our, I think she was our key. <laughs> right. But I think it's important that people understand, like, even if the person who donates to you doesn't DNA test, if anyone in their genetic line DNA tests it's going to pop up. So, you know, yes, it's a third cousin. DCP will like, find you. We will, we will contact your uncle. Totally. We'll contact your grandma. We'll find you. A hundred percent. A hundred percent. That's why like anonymity is not a thing, but I think for a lot of recipient parents, because of the way that the fertility industry is right now, and that's probably a whole nother conversation. So another we don't question. need to go into that yeah. right now, but unknown donor is still the most accessible way to find a donor and that yeah. needs to change. Yeah. And it's going to take, a, a, it's it's gonna gonna take, take some, it's going to take a revolution a really. Yeah, it is. And it's going to take a team and it's going to take a team of donor conceived people, recipient parents, medical yeah. professionals, like well, recipient all, parents, right? Those are hundred percent. I'm not the client. I'm the, recipient no, it's me. Are, it's me. I'm yeah. the one with the money. I'm the one with the power. I I'm banks the one. don't want to talk to donor conceived people because we're like spilling the secrets here. <laughs> <laughs> we're, but, we're affecting their bottom line and they don't like that. <laughs> but I, I definitely feel like we, as recipient parents, we have the privilege and we have the power and we have to be the ones who use our voices and our money to well, and think about any cause. Choices. Like, let's just talk about like women's suffrage, right? Like imagine if there wasn't a bunch of women that stood up and said, mm, you know what, this actually is not okay. Even if there are women that are totally okay with it, just like even there are DCP that are happy DCP and love being DCP, even if those exist, even if there were women that were totally fine not having a right to vote and just really wanting to stay at home all day long and I don't know, whatever they did all day, even if those people existed, there were still a bunch of women that were brave enough to stand up and be like, I know that you're calling me crazy. I know that you're calling me unhinged. I know that you're calling me sad. All of the things that DCP get called, the advocates. They're just, it's going to take really super brave people to stand up. And that's the way that any, anything has ever changed, right? Yeah. Is that going to happen tomorrow? Nope. Because the industry nope. is getting bigger and bigger and bigger. And I have to say, and we, uh, this is another podcast. I just want to say this one part. It's, it's worse. The industry is way worse than when I was created 40 years ago, mm -hmm. which 
I think that's why there's so many advocate DCP advocates now that are like, oh my God, time out. We're making this worse for the sperm banks. So I've, I probably have about a hundred siblings, I would guess. Kids today, born today, a hundred siblings is the norm because they're mm-hmm. shipping them worldwide. Right. Yeah. And the whole like 25 um, families per donor is not real in the fine print. It's 25 per 800,000 people, which in the U S you could have 10, that means 10,000 siblings. That means that those siblings are going to have what 20,000 first cousins. So anyway, just, it's, it's a lot. Yeah. It's, it's worse. It's, yeah. it's worse. And we could that. Yes. That's a whole other podcast. So I won't get into it, but it is going to take a, a few, but it starts with you. It starts with recipient parents saying, okay, yes, we need to stand up. We need to like stop this, but, but here let's heal. Let's heal ourselves first. Right. Yes. Let's hear ourselves first. So when our kids say to us, I want to know who my bio father is, it doesn't gut us. Um, or, or I want to meet my bio father. There are DCP, like not to scare anyone, but that do have a very close relationship with their bio father after finding him and they call him dad and their kids call him grandpa. And that's, that's them. That's not something that I'm looking for, but it does happen. And if that, if that scares you or that makes you, then donor conception is not for you because you've got it. You got to do the healing to be ready for that. Cause that very much could happen. And know that the massive amount of DC people want to find their bio person, just like adoptees want to find their birth parents. There's TV shows called finding your roots dedicated to adoptees, finding their birth parents, finding their biological parents. And that's accepted DCP though, for weird reasons, it's still a shame thing. There's still shame around it. So we're not supposed to go find our bio people. Yeah. That needs to change that, that, that narrative needs to change that we, I mean, it's a human right as per the UN to know where you come from, but I think it's just also like, we all have that feeling. We want to know where we come from. We want to know when we look in the mirror, who we're seeing. And that doesn't mean we don't love our parents any differently. (laughs) Right. It has nothing. It's not a threat. It's not a threat to relationship. Nothing to do with my dad. Absolutely. 100% nothing to do with him. Nothing. Yeah. 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 And so I think like, that's the thing. If anonymous or sorry, unknown, I got to get my words right. Yeah. If unknown donor is, is the right or is the only accessible option to you. I think like when you are, cho- cause I think it's a choice. It's always a choice. You always have a choice. If that's the choice you're making, you're also making the choice to try to find the information to be what you said, that barrier to be the supporter and the champion yeah. of your child and of your future child to connect with, find, and have that information. And yeah. that's, and what that is, is it's more work for you as the parent. Yeah. It's more financial burden for you as the parent, but it's part of that decision. It's not yeah. an either or thing to me. Mm-hmm. It's just, this was what we chose. And so this is the next step of those decisions that we made. Yeah. There's nothing yeah. wrong. It's not bad. It's not, you know, I will always say if you can use someone who you know how to access their information 100%, that yeah. is the, you know, that's what I would say. Yeah. If that's not available to you or accessible to you, then know what that bigger picture is so that you can continue to be the best champion and advocate for yeah. your child. You are inviting, you are having a child with another person 
that is different from your spouse, or if you're single, you're just having a child with another, you are having somebody's bio. Like I even kind of want to like, this is, I know we're nowhere near this, but okay. I'm just going to throw this at you. So your donor is no longer your donor because she's not donating. She's now your child's biological parent, right? Like I would love for recipient parents to instead say my donor, say my child's biological person, or (laughs) if they know how they like, my mom doesn't call my bio father, my donor or her donor. She is, says like, she'll, well, we use his name, but she'll say like your biological father. And, and she's learned how to use those phrases because he's not her donor anymore. He did it. He donated once to her. Well, actually I think it was, it took like four tries so maybe four <laughs> times, but <laughs> there might've been a few donations happening there, but yeah, just, I think if you're going to use an, a, an unknown donor, you have to know you're inviting you're inviting an entire family into your life and it might not be right now, but it will come. Mm-hmm. And, and, and you also need to know that, let's say you're, let's just use sperm donor. Cause that's where I come from. Yeah. Um, you need to know that your grandchildren will have, that person will be their biological grandfather. And you have to be comfortable with that. You have to be comfortable with that. And if your husband, if you're married to a man, your husband's got to be comfortable with that. You need to tell your family we used a donor. You cannot hide that. And I'm not saying like go on Facebook and be like, we used a donor. Woo-hoo. I'm not, you don't, that's not what I'm you saying. You don't need, you don't need to be me. <laughs> Who tells you us? It's like, you can, it's very you public. Want, if great. you want, you don't have to be, but you if need that's to not the, comfortable. But here's what you need to do. You need to tell your family that you're used a donor, because if not, you're going to make your kids lie to your mom and dad. Yes. And that is not fair because your child's yeah. identity is not a lie. And it's, they should not be forced to bend their identity or hide it to make you comfortable. And I get that that's a that's going to be a hard, especially for men. That's a hard conversation. I guarantee my dad never told my grandmother that mm-hmm. I wasn't his biological daughter. He would never have. And my his sister is still alive. We had a falling out, so I don't speak to her anymore. But I, if she, <laughs> I'm always like, ooh, I wonder if she's heard any of my podcasts because now she knows <laughs> the truth that I, yeah, I'm not an actual Durand. Oh my god, yeah, yeah. <laughs> she probably knew, but anyway. <laughs> No, but I think, I think that's a really great point because I think, you know, for recipient parents, there's this feeling of, and I hear people say this too, like, well, I'm not going to tell people my kid's donor conceived because it's not my story story. to tell. It's their story. Yeah. And, you know, I actually, I just don't agree with that because to me, yes, it's how they came into our life, but there's, it's part of who they are. It, How about it, be proud like, of it? Yeah. Like it's, it's half of who they are biologically. It's to me. And you know, you, you will tell me if this is incorrect, but the way I kind of think about it is it's a third of who, of how they are, who they are, because I right. think their biological family plays a role in who they are. My husband plays a role and I play a role as their mom. And half of their identity. With. And I mean, really, their, like their yeah. makeup is, yeah, yeah I mean, their, their genetics here's, and their DNA. Here's what's also really trippy. So when you're, when you do a DNA test, which is also why I'm like, parents do the DNA test when your kids are little. So you can, you can feel this brunt because oof, when I go on 23andMe, it says mother's side and father's side. It doesn't say yeah. biological father's side. It says yeah. father's side. And mm-hmm. I look at, I, I look at my 23andMe every day because I'm waiting for a new sibling to pop up. And I, so I see father's side every time and it is a gut punch not every time but every once in a while I'm like oof he's not my father but it so we are seeing it when I go to the doctor guess what I see father's side and mother's side and grandfather's side and grandmother's side that 
I see that is what I see. Right. Um, and now my kids, the doctors also want to know about their grandfather and their grandfather right. stuff. And I'm like, Ooh, I don't know. And then taking the stigma away from it, I think too, right. The donor right. conceived stigma. I think parents struggle with that. They don't want to tell people that their kids are donor conceived because there's a stigma, but their kids are going to have the stigma lifetime. Every time I go to the doctor, I have to say, I know a little bit, um, but I don't, well, for a while it was, I don't know who my bio father is. And they would, and I felt shame yeah, because they wouldn't go to, oh, she's donor conceived. They would go to, oh, her mom didn't know who the dad is. Like, oof. Totally. And, and I'd have to be like, no, 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 I'm donor conceived. And then, and then the questions happen. And then I feel like a circus act most of the time. So they're like, you're donor conceived? Mm-hmm. How many siblings do you have? And I'm like, here we go. <laughs> right. Here we go. And it's like right. a whole thing, right? So if you can handle that with your kiddo now, you can teach them how to talk about their story, how to say like, I have a lot of siblings or I actually don't know who my father is instead of fumbling through it in a doctor's office when they're like totally. 18 in college, right? Like hundred percent, a hundred percent. And I think, I think at, so one of the things like we talk about, or I talk about is it's important to tell the people who need to know and yeah. the people who need to know are people like everyone in our family because I want everyone in our family to affirm them for who they are and how they came to be and were created. Obviously, medical professionals need to know, and it's my job to model that for them in those, you know, well checks and all that kind of stuff. And then also, you know, a new thing that's come up for us And I think we don't, I didn't think about this when I was having my kids, but it makes total sense now that we're in it. Like this year, they're in first grade, they did an ancestry project and they brought a questionnaire home for school. And, you know, we, because we have been talking to them about who they came from and where they came from, we had an incredible conversation with them and we actually took the form and we filled it out three sides. That's like, awesome. That's what I do with my ancestry. Sides. I have, yes. I have, yes. We filled it out three sides and yep. the things we didn't know about, we, we were honest, like, gosh, we don't know that. Yeah. I wonder, we started wondering things, yeah. right? Let's like, learn. I, we should, we should work on learning about that. Yeah. Like, yeah. oh gosh, I wonder, like, that would be interesting for us to learn about. And then the other piece of it is we emailed their teachers Yes, and we said, Hey, That's we so filled out, we filled out this this thing. We're excited you guys are doing this. We want you to know this part of who they are because we it's important for us and our family and we want you to affirm that in class. Yeah. Right? If it comes up in class and they say like I have two moms and a dad, we want you to be affirming of the way that they speak about that. Yes. You so don't my have daughter, to know the details. You don't have to get into it if you're not comfortable yes. with it, but we just want you to affirm it. I got a phone call first week of school from the teacher and who's amazing. And she's like, um, so first day of school, she's like, I just been, you know, I've been busy, but I wanted to talk to you about this. We all stood up and said one thing that's different and unique about us. And she's like, your daughter stood up and said that she has 23 aunts and uncles and 39 first cousins. And I'm like, <laughs> Awesome. It was actually, I, I mean, I'm sad for my daughter, but the kids kind of bullied her about it because they called her a liar. They're like, you're a liar. That's not real. And she got really sad about it. So I'm like, no, she's telling the truth. That's real. I'm donor conceived. She's her, her biological grandfather is this person because my daughter, kids won't lie. So I don't reveal who my bio 
father is, but my daughters will tell the world and they don't care. Yep. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and as, as much as I say to them, like, I, I want to say to them, no, you know, he wants his privacy respected. They don't, they're like, I don't care. And I'm getting to the point where I honestly don't care. I don't reveal who he is because of my siblings, um, because yep. my siblings, some of them don't want people to know who he is um, because he's so much in the public eye. But if I was the only person I would have, I would have, I would tell you, <laughs> <laughs> I don't care anymore. But um, anyway, all this to say, yes, tell the people that need to know, or the people that are going to be in your kiddos lives that they're donor conceived and and it's fine and teach people and use it as a teaching moment that we all come. And I tell my kids, like we, we're all different. You have four grandparents that are grandfathers that that's not, not a lot of people have that that's different about you. Um, mm-hmm. You know, you're, you have a massive family and we're never going to know how many more aunts and uncles you have. And that's a weird thing. And that's going to, it's going to be a lifetime of us discovering more family members. And that's different than, than the kid in the class who has two moms and we're all yep. different. And that's a beautiful thing. And I, yeah. And I guess I'll just, I know we've been on here for a long time, but I think like the biggest takeaway is I will, I just would love to reiterate is go on the journey with your kiddo to find out who they are, take on some of that rejection that might come. My bio father's wife sent me a really nasty email because she, a lot of time, because the donors lie and they don't tell their, they don't tell that they don't tell their families, especially 18 year olds are not telling their parents or their families and they get married and they don't tell them. And so I think his wife is probably, I don't know her, but I'm assuming she's going through it and learning about all of us. They don't have kids themselves. So I can only imagine what that must be like for her. Yeah. I got a really nasty email. I would much rather if my mom got that email than me get the email. Like that was hard to read, you know? Um, So go on the journey with your kiddo, celebrate all the things that make them different because it's who they are. And you can't say that you, when parents be like, say, Oh, but I, my daughter was so wanted you, but that's not how you're acting. (laughs) You're not acting like you so want her. You want the parts that you like about her and the parts that make you uncomfortable. You don't actually want if you're getting down to it and kids will pick up on that. DCP Mm -hmm. will pick up on what you don't want to want. So for DCP, when they hear, Oh, you're so wanted, it's like a slap in the face because maybe you want us, but our bio father didn't, or our bio mother didn't because they gave us away. They donated us or they sold Mm -hmm. us, you know, the so wanted is really not, it's not a great thing to say to your kid. And I find a lot of times parents will say, oh, you're so wanted in response to a kid or an adult saying, I'm struggling with this. And instead of validating the struggle, they'll be like, but we spent so much money and we went through so much and you're so wanted, but oof, it's like, it just deflates somebody by saying that. Yeah. yeah, And again, that's, that's when I hear that, from the recipient parent perspective, that to me is like, hey, you know, that that's your truth, but there's some work that you need to do underneath that. Because yeah. again, when you become a parent, it's not about you. No. It's about no. your kid. And no, and it's about In every way. <laughs> yeah. And it's about loving loving and protecting and supporting and encouraging them for all that they are. Yeah. And whether you use a donor or not, you don't get to pick the kid that shows up. No, you don't get to pick their personality. You don't get to pick what they look like. Like, even if you're using a donor, none of those things are in your control. Right. And so it's really, I think it's getting to the place 
it's getting past, I just want a baby. And it's getting more to, I want to know this human. I want to raise this human and, and love yeah. them for exactly who they are. All and of we are, are, we're parents to adults far longer than we're parents to children. Totally. We only get them for 18 years. And then for hopefully 60, 70 years, there's adults. They're adults. adults have very big feelings about yeah especially when they're out from underneath their parents and can be like, Ooh, wait, this is my story actually. And I really don't, sorry, but care what you went through because I still am not okay with what happened. I had a great childhood. I have amazing parents. I was super loved, but, and I am happy. I have a great life. I can be happy and not be okay with um, not knowing where I, I came from for so long or not being okay with how my biological father has treated me. You know what I mean? Like, so there's, yeah. Well, it's um, just the complexities of life that a, you can, yeah. you can live in like the both and like, the and knowing and the a, joy, like it's, yes. And when you it, have a DCP, you're not raising a, just a, whatever typical or normal means. That's not what you're raising. You know that you're going to raise a kiddo that at some point they might have big feelings about this. And if you are covering it up with a band aid, they will not come to you about those big feelings. I mm-hmm. love my dad. I, I did not come to him and it was too late. He's, he's gone now. I can't talk to him about these feelings. Don't wait till that's too late. And then there's a relationship that you can never repair either. You know, right. Um, you see a lot of falling out of DCP adults with their parents right now because they didn't do the work. Their parents didn't do the work in the beginning and yes. that's hard to see. So that's why DCP are like, sometimes we're like, we're watching a car crash and we know how to stop it. But everyone's telling us that we're bitter and angry and ungrateful. <laughs> and we're like, what? No, I'm not angry. I'm passionate yeah. about helping this next generation so they don't have to go through this. I hope that it, whoever's listening, your listeners, I know that you post, I see you post a lot that there's a worry that they won't bond with their child if they're not biologically related. I've never seen that happen with the DCP because those are our parents. They're, like I said, they're the root to our love and, and home and safety and security and all of those things. I think that if I would assume it and you can tell me, but it seems like an unfounded fear once that baby's in your arms, that that is your kiddo and your kiddo will bond and your kiddo will grieve also in a way that you're not their biological parent. And that is something that you share that you can, you got to work through that so that you can support them through that. Right. And so that they can say, I'm sad that I'm not, that your mom is not my biological grandmother. I'm sad that I didn't actually come from Anne-Marie Durand. And maybe you can say, Maybe you, maybe she's not in your blood, but if it wasn't for her, you wouldn't be here. Like, right. Have that story ready. <laughs> yes. Get, yes. Get through it, get through the grief to get there. Yeah. 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 And, and that's honestly the biggest thing I like, that is my mission. My goal, my passion is to help people like me do the work so that the, when they start, when your kids start to grow up and learn more about where they came from and all of those things that, that you are changing that we're changing the dialogue, right. That yeah. we're, we're making it better for future generations of donor conceived kids and adults and people because yeah. donor conceived kids turn into adults and people. And I think that's one thing that recipient parents sometimes forget they don't stay kids forever. And like you said, and like, then they we're have adults kids. And those kids have feelings. Long, yeah. And uh, we're adults a lot longer than we are kids. And that 
in all honesty, the easiest time to do this work, this emotional work and work through these fears and feelings is before your kids get here. Because once the kids get here, it becomes more complicated and complex. But if you haven't done the work yet, that is okay. That is totally okay too. And and, and always no one's do here it. to shame you. No one's no. here to say like, oh God, there was research. You should have done it. No, because you know no. what the banks do? They tell you these are, and I know this because I've heard it, but I've heard that they say your kid's going to be so wanted. Where do you think that so wanted came from? It came yeah. from the industry, right? Um, Your kid is a gift. Oof, that gift language is rough for DCP to hear because being DCP doesn't feel like a gift to me. A gift would have been my dad, my dad being my biological father. That's a gift. My bio father is not a gift. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, yep. That's yeah. not a gift. Um, but, but that's the language that is taught to recipient parents, right? Yeah. Yeah. Great. I think, I think you make a really great point. You know, the, the point is no matter where you are on the journey as a recipient parent, you can always do the work. You can My mom always is in her 70s and yes. is doing the work right now. And yes. we're doing it together, it's, right? It's but, never too late. Yes. It's never too late. And I think it was you know, her 70th, like right around her 70th birthday that we were, I mean, yeah. that I, this was all confirmed and we've gone through this journey and <laughs> she looked at a picture and said, oh my God, I had a baby with that guy. I'm like, you did. That's your baby daddy. That is him. That's who he is. Totally. Yeah. <laughs> She's like, well, he's yeah. not my type. And I'm like, wow. Well, here we are. Well, yeah. <laughs> right. It's never, it's never too late. It's never yeah. too late to start doing that work. And yes. And I think sometimes we know it's you. Yeah. And I talk about that a lot too, with my clients on my podcast, like we do the best we can with the information that we have in the moment. And when we get new information, it's our job to start adjusting and changing to the new information. So when you see, there's no shame in that game. When you see a DCP comment, take a deep breath first, which I know, I know you, I'm, I feel like you do it when I type, you're probably like, okay. (laughs) Take a deep breath first and know this is not an attack against you at all. Don't take it personal because it's not about you. I'm not typing for you. I'm typing for your kid. Yeah. If I'm the only one. It is hard. It is hard to not take it personal. Problem, right? Like, but like take a deep breath, take a step away from the computer and then come back and read the comment and know that it's not a direct shot at you. It's, it's to help so that, so, and a lot of times parents are like, oh, I'm doing this. I'm like, you're not reinventing the wheel. You're doing the exact same thing my mom did. It's the same, just with pr- a pretty bow on it now. Like mm-hmm. it's the same. Um, the deep down is the same. So just do something different. Try something different, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Don't and I think and do this. Yeah. And I think that's a good lesson for RPs too, or recipient parents too, mm-hmm. who are commenting on DCP stuff. Anyone who's out there commenting, seeing this stuff, if you're getting triggered by something that someone's saying, like it's important to bring it up and to to raise it. And it's important to take a deep breath on both sides and go, okay, yeah. how can I make this comment? And social media is so hard, right? Oh, because you get such successful. a teeny little thing. And it's it's yeah. very like, I tell people this all the time, like when you're out, if you see a comment or a post or something, like you have to remember you're literally taking this huge complex topic and you're taking like a sliver, sliver of it. Yep. And so you have to remember there's context around it. And if that context isn't coming out, that's important to say like, Hey, did you think about this or what about yep. this or whatever? But that ultimately we're on the same team. 
Yeah. We are fighting for the same stuff. Yes. We are, at least I feel like I am. I know you are. I know the other people in the DCP community are fighting and scraping to say this isn't right. The way that this has been hasn't been right. We need to change it. And, and we're not against donor conception. I'm not trying to no. end donor conception at all. You deserve no, to be a mom. We got to change. Mom. Yeah, we, we just we got to change. There has to be a more ethical, child focused, yes, and equitable, yes. <laughs> and inclusive way to do it. I mean, the donor catalogs are incredibly homophobic. Um, the big oh. banks have no gay men in their catalogs. If they are, they have to say they're not, which is awful, terrible. Um, Can't there are. Diversity doesn't exist. And a lot of diverse men are not comfortable in banks. If you look at the CEOs, they're all white men mm-hmm. at all of these places. So there needs, there's the, that again, that's another podcast. But um, my big changes that I want to see are parents taking a breath and thinking about what they're signing up for. I would love to see sibling numbers go down. That's a big thing for me. And I, I mean, my dream one day is just to end anonymous donation altogether or at least make it available. It's not even available yet. And we found like a lot yeah. of donors say they want, like they'll put themselves on the DNA sites because they want to be found, but they didn't yes. have the option. There's there's not like, at least let's just start with an option, right? Totally. Just not I right agree. Now. Make I it, agree. recipient parents have to pay more. Okay. But make it an option. Yeah. And, and just... I think like thinking of your kiddo first has to, has to come before your, before what you need and want, because it's, it's lifelong for DCP and not like every day. I'm not like, Oh God, I'm donor conceived. Right. It's very like, it does, it's not a part of my every day, but yeah. Well, and it's lifelong for the recipient parents too. It's lifelong yeah. for all of us. And yeah. again, it just goes to show we're on the same team. We're trying to do this. We're fighting for the same stuff. But these conversations help and reach out they to donor totally help. people. And there's, there's yes. the donor conceived there's a community, there's a donors keep council that does amazing publications and, and does, there's a lot of DCP that, that I think you follow too, that put out really great content. Really great stuff. Yep. Um, try to share their stuff to get and, people. And I will it. say that like, I, you might have had listeners that have come across me where I've been very bitey and I have to step back sometimes. So I, I haven't done a podcast in like a year and I've stepped back from, we call it the big group. It's on Facebook. There's a donor conceived where parents are in there. And I hadn't, I took myself off because I started to get mean because I just get like so angry. I'm like, just, I want to shake you, please. You're doing what my mom did. Stop. And she didn't know any better, you know? So yeah, if I've been mean to any of your listeners, I'm sorry. (laughs) (laughs) Well, thank you. I mean, reach out and talk, just talk, have these conversations. These, these, it's only going to help your kiddo. Yeah. A hundred percent. 100%. Well, you know, I could keep talking to you forever. I know. I'm like, it's been a while. You're going to cut this down. (laughs) I just, you know, Lindsay, like I said, at the very top of the show, like I've learned so much from talking to you and I've, I've loved our open dialogue and we don't always agree and we don't always see this thing same way, but I, I love the way that you and I have been able to have these hard conversations and both of us have learned things from each other, oh, yeah. which to your point, like this is how the conversations start. It's people talking about this in public and it's being willing to come to the table with an open mind and curiosity 
and the willingness to say, you know what, maybe I did make a mistake or maybe I'm not doing something quite right. And now that I know something, I'm going to change or also like welcome to parenthood. There's no handbook on how to do this. I make mistakes all the time. Right. Oh, my daughter, I'll just admit this publicly. My, my daughter said to me today, I, I, I looked at her. I'm like, Carolyn, you're like, she's like thinning out now. She's like, she was like a cute little, now she's like thinning out. I'm like, you're so skinny. And she made a comment that I was like, oh my God, I need to change that. She's like, we don't want to be fat. Right. And I'm like, where have I said that done that? What have I talked about my own body that made her think that? And I'm like, oh, I've got some work to do there. So (laughs) exactly. We all Hmm. have work to do. We all do. And to me, being able to have this conversation in public, right. To be able to record it and share it with others is really, it's a gift to us as recipient parents. And I hope that it helps donor conceive people too, just to know that like, I'll speak for myself and not for dirt, but it helps me learn more about my parents. Yeah. And like where they came from. Cause we're, yeah, yeah, I mean, they're pretty awesome. (laughs) (laughs) My mom's my best friend, but um, yeah. Really quick before we end. Um, I will, I mean, we've talked about a couple of things that I will link in the show notes, like donor conceived counsel. I would love to put your Instagram on yeah. so that if anyone wants to connect with you or reach out, they know how to find you. Yeah. Um, my Instagram is not super donor conceived focused, but the first two I have pinned on there. One is my sibling, my first sibling retreat. Another one is it's a video of me and my dad dancing, but I highly, highly suggest just reading the caption mm. because it, it talks a little bit about balancing my biological father and my dad and, and how important my dad is. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I'll link those pinned posts. I'll link those pinned posts so that people can get to them quickly. Okay. And again, just thank you for taking your time, the time to talk to me and chat. Yeah. Thanks um, for having this was a awesome. DCP voice on there. I know you've had a few amazing DCP on here. I think you had Haley a few. I did. Yeah. Oh, I love her. <laughs> I love her too. Um, yeah. Yeah. And you know what? That's the thing though. With a different perspective, right? Yeah. Yeah. And this is why I do the show is because I want to share perspectives and I want to share, you know, it's a platform for people to be able to share their stories. And I feel like that's my responsibility and I take it seriously and want to share all perspectives. So anyway, thank you for joining us. Thanks for having me. I'm really grateful for you. And um, yeah, I will see you guys all next time on Infertility Crossroads. Before you go, I have a few things I want to share with you. Continue the conversation with me on my Instagram page at Maida Getman. I love connecting with people and I would love for you to join me there at M-E-T-A-G-E-T-M-A-N on Instagram. If you just learned that using a donor might be your path to becoming a parent, or if you have an inkling that donor conception is the path for you, head to my website, www.medagetman.com slash podcast and download my free PDF donor decision guide. This resource is packed full of questions to consider if you are even thinking about using a donor. That's medagetman.com slash podcast. Lastly, I am not a doctor, a psychologist, a nutritionist, or a professional in the area of fertility. I am a person who has gone through infertility, has learned a lot along the way, and wants to share my learnings with you. Please do not substitute what you hear on the show for professional advice. That's what the pros are for. 
If you want to learn more about my terms and conditions, go to my website, MaydaGetman.com. <laughs>